Well, good morning. No, good morning. That's a terrible start. Let's try again. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, it's very nice to see you. I feel very close to you here. <laughs> I might be shouting. I'm so sorry. Um, as James has said, we are doing a new series. So that's very exciting. We love a new series. We tend to get a bit bored by the end of them, don't we? But we're excited at the start. And we are looking at the Bible stories revisited. So particularly looking at stories from the Old Testament over the next few weeks. We won't talk about how many weeks. It's a few. Um, so we're looking at loads of different stories. And I thought we might start at the beginning. So we are starting, of course, today with creation. And Esther is going to help me with this reading. So we are doing a two-parter. I'm going to stand over here, Esther. Let's, yeah, let's stand on opposite sides. It's fun, isn't it? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering above the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made the space to separate the waters of the earth from the water of the heavens. And God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. And well, you all know what happened on the third day and on the fourth day and on the fifth day and even the first part of the sixth day. But let's pick up there. Okay. <laughs> Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God said, Look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all that he had made and saw that it was very good and evening passed and morning came, 
marking the sixth day. Thank you, Esther. And on seventh day, of course, we rest, and that's why we love the seventh day, but we're not going to read that one either. (laughs) So we've got the creation story in Genesis, haven't we? I wonder how many of us grew up reading that as an account of how we came to be. How many of us grew up being told that this was how we came to exist, that this was how the earth was made, that this was how humans were made? I certainly did. I was told that that was what this was, and I believed that for a long time. But we grew up like that, or we've been told that because of this scientific society that we're in, actually. Like, our our culture, our society looks at science. So when science looks at Genesis, it assumes that Genesis is a how story, And science goes, well, that can't be right, because it's looking at it, and it thinks it's answering the question, how? But what if? What if it's not answering the question, how? What if it's answering the question, why? Which is a very, very different question. Tay's nodding vigorously over that. She nods throughout. It's wonderful. Um, So what if it's a why question and not a how question? And you know what? If you believe it to be a factual account, that is absolutely fine. That's not a problem. You can believe that. But maybe there is still the why question. Why was this account written? Why did they write it down? What's so important about it? And I think to start grappling with this why, why was the Genesis account written? We have to look at the context that it was written in. Of course we do. It's it's just a good hermeneutic, posh word there, very silly word, Um, but that's how we talk about how we read the Bible, ridiculous word, Um, but there you go. So it's important to look at the context it was written in, and actually the Genesis account was written by a people who were in exile, so the people that wrote it were in exile. They were being held in Babylonian captivity, So they're not in their own land. They're being held by the Babylonians. So they are being told that they have to worship other gods. They're being told that these are the gods you should worship. Yahweh's dead. Imagine, they're being told that. I mean, we're told that in our society all the time, aren't we? So we we know what it's like to be told God's dead. Actually, they were being told this. That's exactly what they were hearing. And their history was being eradicated all of their known history, that was being completely wiped out. The Babylonians didn't want that. They wanted them as part of their history now. And that's all that they needed to know. So it's being written by these people who are trying to recreate their identity. And that's a really important thing. So when we come to Genesis, when we read Genesis, particularly 1 to 11, this is a really carefully and purposefully piece of poetic literature. And if it doesn't sound like a poem, that's okay. I'd only write limericks as well. But it's fine. Like, this is an old, old piece of poetic literature. And it's, I don't believe it's trying to answer the question how. I think it's trying to answer the question why. It's trying to answer why are we here. It's, it is asking who are we. It's the people who are writing going, who are we? Why are we here? Who is God? It's answering those questions instead. And so to help us explore that a little bit more, I wanted to introduce you today to another creation story. Did you know that there are other creation stories? Good, lots of nodding. There are many, and they are fascinating to read. Look them up, they're really interesting. 
but they existed at the time as well. It's very difficult to date them, of course, because they would have been oral traditions. So people would have talked about them and not written them down so much because writing down involved engraving on stone, and that is a complex process. John's got a picture of them, actually. There we go. So this is a particular story, as you can see. You can follow along. I'm going to tell you the story, and you can follow the text. Um, that should be quite easy to follow. So this one is a Babylonian creation story. And remember, they're held in Babylonian captivity. So this is a story they would have known. And it's called the Enuma Elish. Don't know why. Don't know what it means. But there you go. It's impressive, isn't it? Um, and the story goes like this. It starts with in the beginning. We're happy so far. Good start. We like that one. Um, and that is undifferentiated waters, chaotic waters. Still sort of okay. Um, and the waters are split into two. And out of the two, there's a salty water and there's a fresh water. The salty water is named Tiamat and the fresh water is named Apsu. And these become the gods. So there are two gods. And then these two gods, the union of these two gods, produces younger gods. So now there's a load of gods, so they've got loads of younger gods too. And this is where we can tell that this, is, this was first come about by a father who was in distress and not getting much sleep. Because it goes on. Apsu wasn't getting any sleep at night because of the younger gods. And they were distracting him from his work by day. So you, you can see it's a tale as old as time, isn't it? And hopefully we don't carry on to relate to this because Apsu gets so annoyed, he decides he's going to kill them all. I know, brutal. So he decides he's going to kill all of these younger gods. Unfortunately, Tiamat, his partner, their mother, hears of this plan. And she is not happy. So she tells one of the younger gods, her son, Enki. And Enki, what he does is he kills Apsu before he can kill them. So he's killed his dad. And then it says that he makes a home out of his corpse. Bizarre. Absolute bizarre. See, if we related to anything, it's gone now, hasn't it? We're not relating to this story anymore. It's weird. Um, and then Tiamat is really upset because her partner's been killed. And so she decides to wage war against the younger gods. Are you still following on the text? Yeah, good, good, yeah. You see where I am. So she wages war, and she's got some other gods. I don't know where they've come from. They've just appeared like they do. Um, so there's a big battle going on, and it's a real struggle. And then, through this battle, one of the younger gods rises as a champion. He's called Marduk, and Marduk kills Tiamat with a single arrow. And the arrow, it says, divides her body in two. And out of Tiamat's corpse, the heavens and the earth are made. That is the story of creation. And then it says that the gods who helped Tiamat, that they were tried, they were put on trial, they were found guilty, and they were killed. And out of their remains, humanity was made. Now that is the Babylonian creation story. It's a little bit bleak, isn't it? It's not quite got the same vibe. It's got some similarities in places, but it's not quite the same. But the Genesis account is written in knowledge of this. The Genesis account is written knowing that story and going, no, that's not who God is. That's not who we are. And that's why I really, really love this. So like the Babylonian one, it's all created out of destruction. 
things are created out of such a mess. And like humans are this product that are, are made actually to serve Marduk. It says that they're his servants to keep his order on the earth so that, the, so that he keeps powerful, basically, so he remains powerful. That's what the humans are there for. And the gods in that story are so imperfect, aren't they? Like, they're horrible. <laughs> they're waging war against each other. They're killing each other. But that was the view at the time. And so this Genesis account is written as like a response to that and going, no, that's not what we think at all. It takes that story and it adapts it. And it attempts to recreate their identity as God's people, as Yahweh's people. So it's recreating something. And I think we can relate to that, actually, because society around them is saying, this, these are the gods, and this is who we are. We're just servants. We're just made to, to serve them. And I think society around us often tells us that we're wrong, doesn't it? It's, it's not telling us about the God that we learn about in church. Society is saying either God is dead, or there's no God, and there never was. Like, we're all here by chance. But actually, we're going, no, no, we're not. We're going, we're doing exactly what they were doing. We're going, no, no, we're not. And this is what we believe. And so the Genesis account affirms God's sovereignty. It's never in question. There is nobody battling God at all. There's no war in the Genesis creation account. And God creates just by speaking. He just speaks and things come into being. He doesn't have to kill something else and make something out of its remains. He just speaks, and it is. There's no destruction, there's no war, there's no imperfection within God at all. And throughout that narrative, as of course we heard, because we read the whole thing, um, throughout that narrative you hear God say, it was good, it was good over and over and over again. It affirms this goodness And then, of course, when he makes humanity, it says we're very good. And he creates humanity in his own image. And it's like this story builds up in Genesis 1. It builds up to this big crescendo. And humanity is the crescendo of his creation. Made in his image. Walking on this earth. And it's like he's made humanity as his utter joy and delight and he wants us to share his image with him he couldn't give us anything more and it's such a beautiful picture of who God is of who creation is of who humanity are and so actually these people are communicating that God created out of goodness out of goodness not out of war not out of annoyance there's another creation story somewhere where can't remember but there's a lot of annoyance in that when they're just very annoyed and they make people do lots of horrible works they're annoyed with them but he doesn't make us out of annoyance or war he just makes us out of love out of goodness and so what's the answer to why according to the genesis account well god didn't create us to just do his workload which is nice isn't it but actually to be a people that share his image in this world We're a people who have that responsibility for showing his image to the rest of creation. He put us in this world as his image to walk around, to show him to everyone else, to everything else, to the whole planet. 
to keep on declaring his goodness as he declared goodness throughout creation. That is what we are to do, to keep on declaring goodness and to enjoy the world that he has created, to enjoy it and to care for it. And so this story really is a why story. It's answering that question, why? And that matters because it's got greater truths in it, the greater truths of God's sovereignty, of his perfect nature, and of us as God's image, of his delight and joy. And I think that this story is in stark contrast to the world around us because the world around us doesn't tell us that that's who God is or that that's who we are. But actually, that is so true. Our story is different to the world around us. And that the Bible starts by affirming God's goodness and that we are made out of that and that we are made to be his delight and joy tells us the start of our story. And so hopefully, over the next few weeks, we are going to continue to discover the goodness of God, even in the mad Old Testament stories that we can't make sense of. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you have made us for your delight and for your joy, that you have made us to bear your image and to show you to the world around us. And God, we pray today that we would be able to know that story for ourselves, that we would know your goodness in our lives, that we would be able to proclaim your goodness to others, and that we would know the goodness of your creation. Amen.